This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic episode for you about kale. Oh yes, one of my very favorite foods. Still? Yeah, about. yeah. Yes, this food, I have become, people know me so well <laughs> that, especially in our time of like resolutions of January, uh, people contact me and ask me how, how I, they can use <laughs> kale, what are my favorite kale recipes, and Dang. it just cracks me up that I've become so associated with it yeah. uh, in their minds. And I did recently really make someone's day. When I told them the fact we talk about in this episode that at one point Pizza Hut uh, was the largest purchaser of kale, she, her whole world changed. It's a good fact. It's a good fact. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I, I was I was asking because this episode came out um, in March of 2018, which is three forevers ago, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But yeah, but I'm glad that it's still a large part of your life. Uh, it's delicious. Yeah. Um, it is. Oh. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yes, I did stop. I haven't had as much as I was having when we recorded this. Yeah. Because I feel like I had like my top 10 favorite foods, and I think we've done all of them, or at least oh, most of uh-huh, them. Uh-huh. And kale was early on the list. But... I live alone, and I had such an issue with fruit flies or some kind of fly that I didn't like having fresh products because they would just get. I live alone, so I don't. I I don't generate a lot of trash, so it would just. So I haven't had as much as I like, and then a friend was asking me about frozen kale and my thoughts about that. Um, But yes, (laughs) I still like it. I just don't eat it as often as I did when we recorded this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, okay. All right. I I, I wish you uh, as much kale as you want 
in in this our coming year. I was indeed thinking about this classic because it is the beginning of the year. Kale is been labeled as uh, very healthy for you. Uh, in fact, a superfood, which we go into in the episode. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was like, yeah, why not? Why not? Um, although oh, also as I was listening, um, a thing that you briefly mention in the episode is some kind of like German kale tradition. Yes. And you did not elaborate. And so, mm. And so I was like, okay, quick Google, see what see what that's about. Because I had Googled just kale in general and nothing particularly fascinating had come up. Um, but German kale tradition, okay. Uh, let, let, us, let us do a slight expansion on that before we get into this. Okay, so up in the north of Germany, there is this tradition of kale hikes every like late fall through midwinter to celebrate the local kale harvest. It works like this. Um... Every year, uh, uh, whichever, you know, any number of groups will crown a king and queen who are then tasked with planning the route of this kale hike, like a few rambling miles meant to take a few hours, ending at a local restaurant or, or other event space. And along the way, the king and queen plan and lay out like games and drinks and snacks all set up beforehand. And then waiting for the revelers at the end is a, is a kale-centric feast um, featuring this, this local variety of, of often like kind of bitter, tough kale that's been stewed down with pork fat and then is served up with sausages and potatoes. Mm. Yeah. Um, it culminates, uh, the whole dinner culminates with the crowning of next year's king and queen and similar festivities can be found like up through Denmark and parts of Scandinavia. And this all sounds so amazing. I mean, like, like a long, maybe not brisk, walk but but you know but 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 warming with friends and schnapps and uh <laughs> and snacks mm-hmm. and games uh and then yeah like a kale feast i love a kale feast right like oh especially i mean this sounds so much like a like a good like like southern collard yes kind of situation mm-hmm. um yeah i yes i want to go on a kale hike Oh, I do as well. And I have many good recipes for a kale stew. So <laughs> if you need them, I have them. I do remember uh, coveting uh, the kale scepter. Right. Um, yeah. That I, yes, I, I still would like one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is great. I, again, listeners, if you've done this, if you have pictures of this, we do love these things. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. But this, yeah, this does sound like a, a delightful, very niche, um, <laughs> specific thing <laughs> that we would love. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but but at any rate, uh, uh, former Annie and Lauren have lots to say about kale, so let's let them take it away. And welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're tackling kale. <laughs> yes. And a disclaimer right at the front kale is uh, one of my favorite foods. And I eat it every week, at least. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I eat it frequently. I don't make a point of eating it every week, but mm. it's certainly some kind of, of tough, leafy green vegetable. Collards are also popular in my house. Yeah. Uh, turnip greens. I love turnip greens and mustard greens. Which oh. are all which are all related. They are. Oh, and a quick note too. There is um, 
Food stuff, for those of you who don't know, uh, we used to have like a, an earlier version where we were trying to get this going, and uh, we had a video series, and there is a food stuff video starring Kristen Conger of Unladylike now and um, Ben Bolin, co-worker. Mm-hmm. Produced by Annie. Produced by Annie, yeah, and it has a cameo by Barbie and... Uh, Dr. Kale. Anyway, oh, Dr. it was about Kale, Kale and it was mm-hmm. excellent. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. P- please do. That's not just Annie saying it because she, like, worked on it. It was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Kristen and Ben were doing really good work and, and Annie as yeah. well. So so go check that out. We'll see if we can post it on Facebook. Yeah, it's on YouTube. And also <laughs> a fun note about it is um, I went through this whole thing. Uh, for a while I was producing video. That was my job. And mm-hmm. I— was determined that every video be have um, captions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And to do that on YouTube, you have to, you play the video and then you type it in and it'll oh, pause wow. while you're typing, um, which is fine, but it's obviously very it's time laborious. consuming. Sure. Yeah. So, but there is a feature um, for YouTube to do it automatically. So I tested it on the Kale video. Uh-huh. And it translated Kale as cocaine. Oh, my goodness. So the whole video. That is certainly a different episode. It's like, <laughs> I, I love cocaine. I've got to get more cocaine. <laughs> I eat cocaine at least once a week. Yes. Like the, the beginning of the video wow. has been showing up with the backpack. And he's like, I bought the cocaine. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. Wow. But clearly I could not trust YouTube's auto, auto uh, transcribe sure. service. Yeah. Well, Anyway. Yeah, so, so if you do check out the video, then keep that in mind. Yes, keep that in mind. Um, but let's, let's tackle our first question we always tackle. What is it? Kale. Yes, what is kale? It's a leafy green. It's a member of the Boresca olericea a species whose cultivars include cabbages and broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. Kale is a whole group of cultivars called acephala, of which collard greens are also a member. But culturally speaking, we're going to have to do a whole other episode on collards. Yes. Or like food culturally, not horticulturally. Yes. Anyway, uh, kale leaves are commonly deep green or purple or a little bit of both and sort of ruffled or dimpled. And they grow loose off of kale's stalks rather than like in a head like many cabbages tend yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, botanists think that kales are closer to brassicas' wild cabbage roots than other cultivars because of this, and, and they're so easy to garden. Like, they don't need to be heavily developed as some of these other things have had to had done to them yeah. in and, the past. <laughs> yes, and actually that is kind of important to kale's whole history, which yeah. we will be talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, in general, if you have not had kale... Or if you need a reminder, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flavor profile of kale is sort of green, grassy, peppery, bittersweet, pungent. Mm-hmm. And it tends to be uh, sturdier and less tender than lettuces and even many cabbages. But there are so many kinds of kale. Yes. And depending on how you cook it, the different kinds, it can be crisp, sort of chewy, sort of tender, or even sort of silky with varying ratios of bitter to sweet involved. Yeah. I have a friend, and she she likes to fight me about my love of kale. Uh-huh. Huh. Okay. <laughs> she, she's convinced I'm just on some kind of trend and that <laughs> I'm not seeing things clearly. Oh, goodness. But she's always – one of her arguments is always, you could just eat romaine. <laughs> it's totally different. I, I, I can't – we are not connecting in this argument. No. Like, it's just missing That's, each other. Yeah. <laughs> she always says that every time. <laughs> 
Okay, you can't cook romaine lettuce at all. No, they taste completely different. They do. Okay, I well, feel like I'm having the argument. Like the emotion is rising <laughs> as I'm thinking about it. Um, when it comes to variety, kale does have you covered with over 50 types. So, like, yeah. There's a kale for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got classic curly kale, great for cooking or even raw if you rub it down with some salt and citrus juice. Dinosaur kale, which mm. is more tender and good for pretty much everything. Red Russian, which is sweet and tender and good for salads. Siberian, which is perfect for a saute. In addition to purples and greens, kale comes in reds, whites, and pinks. There are varieties used more for ornamentation than for food, but which are still edible, like salad savoy, which grows uh, these rosettes of pink or white leaves, and red boar, which goes stunningly violet in cool weather, like like you're turning violet, violet, violet. <laughs> it's the color. Jinx. <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> I don't remember anymore. I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, dinosaur kale is my favorite kale, by the way. But I haven't tried a lot of these, so there's a whole kale world open I to me. I know, yeah. I, I do love a dinosaur kale as well, partially because it's called dinosaur kale. I know, yeah. And it just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, okay, y'all, I have a huge problem with the term superfood. Yeah. Y- usually it's just marketing some kind of like woo-involved promise, false promise, that this one weird food will fix all your problems. Yeah. And that's not how food works. Nope. It's not how your body works. Mm-mm. However, it is true. Kale's pretty good for you. Yep. Uh, it's nutrient-dense. One cup contains more than your recommended daily values of vitamins C, A, and K, plus a whole bunch of others and a lot of minerals like calcium and iron. It carries a little bit of oils that are the, the good fats, omega-3s, and about 2 to 3 grams of protein. Its carbs are complex and fibery. It won't spike your blood sugar. So if you're trying to fill yourself up without resorting to starches and for cheap, kale is great, mm-hmm. especially for folks who don't eat meat. Please do note that this all depends on how you're cooking your kale. Yes. Uh, like really oil-heavy things like kale chips, although delicious, do carry a heavy caloric load from all that fat and should still be considered treats. I mean, like, yes, they're better than French fries, but... They're not better than steaming or braising or sautéing your kale. Right. And, as always, friends, beware of claims that a food will cure cancer or prevent heart disease or anything huge like that because our bodies are complicated. Yeah. Uh, And preliminary studies have indicated that eating kale could help lower your cholesterol and your risk for cataracts and some cancers, but it can also interfere with blood-thinning medications and cause clots. So... Don't treat it like a medicine without supervision from a doctor. You know, if, if you like it, incorporate it into your overall diet. Yeah. Yeah. But don't don't freak out about it. No. Speaking of freakouts. Yes, yes. As of 2016, retail sales of kale in the United States were worth more than $165 million and accounted for 0.3% of all produce sales, which sounds small but is Pretty substantial. It's substantial for a single item. Yes. It is. Um, <laughs> and we've got to talk about peak kale. Oh, goodness. Yes, we do. Yes. Kale exploded with popularity in the 2000s. It went from the sad, wilted garnish to the it vegetable. Oh, yeah. From 2008 to 2013, restaurant menus with some sort of kale item on them increased by 400%. What? 
Yeah. Ugh. Bon Appetit magazine named 2012 the year of kale. Ugh. In 2013, kale gets its own National Kale Day <laughs> annually on October 2nd. It kind of became this symbol of hipsters, of a healthy and eco-friendly living. There is a legal battle ongoing with the creator of those Eat More Kale shirts and Chick-fil-A. Oh, oh, Eat More Chicken, Eat More Kale. Yeah. I see you. Mm-hmm. Huh. 2013 slash 2014 was the height of peak kale, <laughs> fueled in part by a shortage in New York City due to a blizzard. Oh. Yeah, and this, uh, this and a lot of things remind me of cauliflower in our cauliflower episode. Um, cauliflower also experienced a huge bump when there was a shortage in New York City specifically, so <laughs> must be a thing. Yeah. With all of this trending and rise of popularity has come a sea of kale products, <laughs> some stranger than others, and some non-food ones. Okay. Kale chips, kale salads, kale smoothies, kale beauty products, gold-dipped kale necklaces. What? Kale cocktails, kale brownies. Kale dips for your kale chips. Oh, my goodness. Kale ice cream, kale soda, kale-themed restaurants, shirts with kale puns, kale everywhere. The the trend raised the demand for kale, and therefore the price of kale has risen. Um, it, it rose, for example, 25% between 2011 and 2014. And since kale is fairly inexpensive to start with, that's really only a 22 cents per bunch increase, uh, 88 cents to a buck ten. But it's certainly enough to make kale less accessible to the people who were using it for sustenance before the trend happened, especially low-income families. And occasional local shortages have doubled prices from time to time, as Annie was saying about New York, stuff like that. Yep. And, and this kind of falls in line with my problem of labeling things superfoods and has raised criticism also from people who are not me. Yes. Um, and, oh, man, I, I want to do a whole episode on food trends and superfoods and et cetera. Yeah. I'm giving, I'm giving us more homework now. It's official. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I will say, not to sound too hipster about it, I was ahead of the trend. I see something in the grocery store, and I go to very basic grocery stores. I'm not going anywhere exciting. Um, <laughs> if I see something I have never eaten before, I get it. Which oh, is, and try to figure out how to make yeah, it. Totally. Which yeah. is always fun because usually when I check out, they don't know what it is either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how I discovered kale huh. is I remember seeing it in store and thinking, what? what? We never had that when I was growing up. And the rest is history. <laughs> um, the kale explosion, this explosion of kale popularity was fairly unique to the U.S. Other countries were on the kale train long before us. In Germany, there's a celebration centered entirely around eating cooked kale. I what? love that. That's so great. Yeah, uh-huh. Germany, get it. In Scotland, kale has long been a staple, an important enough one that in the local dialect, the word kale translates to food. And if you are off your kale, you might be sick. Ah. Yeah. Huh. Which brings us to the question, I have always wondered personally, why was kale virtually non-existent in the U.S. until the 2000s? At least I, I never ran across it before then. I don't think I did either. Yes. Well, we have the answer and more. But first, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay. Because kale is so easy to grow and a true vegetable survivor hanging on through harsh conditions and cold temperatures, it was probably one of the first vegetables humans cultivated. Yes, probably, because we don't know for sure. Yeah. This hardiness, like uh, we alluded to earlier, would later lead to a massive kale slump. But more on this later in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Asia Minor is most likely where kale got its start. When? Good question! Huh. We know it arrived in Europe thanks to groups of Celtic wanderers by 600 BCE. The history suffers from what we here at Foodstuff call cauliflower syndrome. Ah. No, we don't. But we should. Oh. Um, that is to say, the word kale comes <laughs> from the Scottish word coals or collis, which the Greeks and Romans used to refer, refer to all the cabbage-like plants, such as cauliflower, collards, and cabbage. Upping the confusion, ancient Roman manuscripts might have used the word brassica to mean all of those things, too. Uh, records indicate that the ancient Greeks would boil down kale and other leafy vegetables to eat as a way to cure drunkenness. Ah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll, uh, I mean, it'll give you some nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depends on how drunk you are, I suppose. Oh, uh, yes. totally. Dioscorides wrote in the first century that kale was excellent for the bowels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Romans brought it to France and Britain, if it wasn't there already, under the same coal wart or coal umbrella as cauliflower was under, if you remember from our cauliflower episode. Kale was common throughout Europe and Asia by the Middle Ages, and all kinds of varieties of it, too. The Middle Ages was when the English or Scottish started using the word kale to mean dinner. It was that frequent at European meals. Wow. In Asia, kale was less popular when compared to other vegetables in the cabbage family, but it was eaten there. The colonists bought kale with them to North America in the 16th century, but they weren't as excited about it as their European brethren. The first time kale was mentioned in writing was in 1669, 
in North America, though they were most almost certainly um, kale was almost certainly around before then. Mm-hmm. Around the same time, Russian traders brought Russian kale to Canada, where it spread into the U.S. Thomas Jefferson, him, <laughs> uh huh, grew the Italian dinosaur kale, also called Tuscan or Lacinato kale, in his in his garden in Monticello. Mm. Kale hummed along until World War II when it was included in the U.K.'s Dig for Victory campaign. Ah, Dig for Victory. Yeah. This was a campaign by the U.K. government to encourage gardeners to grow certain things. Relevant to this episode, kale. Because of that hardiness we mentioned, kale was often grown and eaten during tough times, whether on national levels or on a personal level for those struggling with poverty. And this meant that after World War II, Folks were pretty tired of kale, and on top of that, it had an association with poor people. Not just in the U.S. either. In European countries, it was associated with the hunger and deprivation of World War II, and it never really fully recovered. Yeah, in France today, to this date, it's still just like, why would you eat that? Yeah, why are Americans so excited about kale? Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of an eye-roll situation. Um, Yeah, not true in the U.S., It took some time, though. It was relegated to garnish for a long time. You might be surprised how long. The L.A. Times published a poem sent in by a reader about kale in 1996. It was called In Praise of Kale, and the author perhaps foresaw the coming meteoric rise of the vegetable, although it would take more than a decade and a lot of celebrity juice. Juice, is that a pun for juicing? Yeah. Juicing pun, perfect. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Um, (laughs) According to a Blue Apron blog, when kale appeared in some CSA boxes in 2007, which is basically when you get boxes of, like, locally grown vegetable produce, it can include meat and eggs and stuff, but, you know. Yeah. I I was part of one for a while, and I loved it. Um, People didn't know what the kale was in these boxes was or what the kale was. I like that. What the kale? Yeah, um, or what to do with it. They, people were posting online, what is this thing? How do I cook it? Huh. Um, the following year, Whole Living gave kale that elusive title of superfood. In 2009, Martha Stewart published a kale slaw recipe. The Vegetarian Times published a recipe for something very similar to kale chips in 2010 And that same year, the New York Times published a recipe for a kale salad. And this brings us to the big one. Yeah? Kale's big break. Ah. In 2011, Gwyneth Paltrow made kale chips on Ellen. Ah. And history was made. Um, Oh, the the, the first thing is the kale chips, which I just wanted to show you. It takes so, it's so quick. I love kale chips. And kids, they turn into like potato chips, but they're kale and your kids will eat them and you will be so psyched because they're eating it. uh, It's very silly. It is. I mean, quite silly. Delicious. Oh yeah. Useful. Um, mm mm-hmm. Inexpensive. Yep. Silly. Silly. Quite silly. The trend is silly, not kale. (laughs) And kale is relatively neutral. (laughs) <laughs> we weren't insulting you, Kale, just no. in case. Yeah, not, not, not today, anyway. No. Uh, and we, we have a few science notes for you, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter, that's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So there is some science behind getting the most out of kale in your cooking. Ah. It's one of those vegetables that will undergo some chemistry in your mouth if you let it. Uh, Part of kale's characteristic bittersweet and and pungent flavor comes from these sulfur compounds called isothiocyanates that do not exist in kale leaves when they're just hanging out minding their own kale business. It's formed when you chop, chew, or massage kale. (laughs) And yes, kale massaging is a part of many recipes. It's that rubbing with salt and citrus juice thing. That's the thing Um, I often don't do, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, So so when when you chop or chew or massage, you disrupt the structure of kale's cell walls and let these two disparate compounds form up into those isothiocyanates, um, the, the, the two compounds being an enzyme and some, some sulfuric compounds. Mm-hmm. If you blanch kale leaves whole or, or even just soak them in hot water, you will deactivate some of that enzyme that's involved, so less of the isothiocyanates will form, and your kale will be less bitter. Mm-hmm. So if you're not looking for that, for that bitter kick, then, then do that, that yeah. blanching or that hot water soak. But, uh, but if, if you like it, then don't. don't. Do as you will. Do as you will. Yeah, <laughs> shall be the whole of the kale law. <laughs> um, and if you're if you're dealing with a type of kale that calls for being massaged in order to make it tender enough uh, to eat raw, but you still want it to be on the mild or sweet end instead of bitter, just rinse it after you chop it. Yeah, yeah, it's simple as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and hey, if you're wondering why kale and other leafy greens shrink so much when you cook them or or wilt when you leave them out on the counter, mm-hmm. that's because of a loss of water in the plant's cells. When leafy vegetables are growing or kept in water or kept cool enough, water will fill the plant cells and the pressure inside will keep each cell taut. But when you cook greens, the cell walls break and the moisture escapes, and on the counter, it will eventually evaporate out. No! 
that's why if you're looking for a really crisp vegetable, uh, you can you can stick it in like a vase of water as you would cut flowers oh. before you serve it. Stick it in the fridge in a vase of water. Yeah, oh. it'll it'll crisp right up. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, little kale vase. <laughs> oh, and shout out to the excellent book Cooks Science from the folks at Cooks Illustrated for some of those science notes. They do they do really good stuff. Mm-hmm. I like them. I wish I had rewatched the kale video we made before doing this because I remember there's a note in there about how if you something if you cook kale with fat. Um, it helps your body absorb, absorb the, the nutrients. nutrients better. And so Kristen and Ben's recommendation was to cook it with bacon. Oh, clearly. I mean, that's that's how we cook. That's how we cook kale in my house. We like saute some bacon mm-hmm. and then use some of the bacon fat to just put the kale right on top of. Yeah. Cook it down. My goodness, I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Add some mushrooms in there, too. Oh, oh Lauren. It's so delicious. You've got to stop, Lauren. <laughs> Okay, I think we need to end this episode now. Um, <laughs> go go make some kale? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And that brings us to the end of this classic episode. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we loved uh, bringing it back to you mm-hmm. and doing it in the first place. I have a lot of memories associated <laughs> with this one oh. uh, that I shared in the episode, many of them. But um Yes, uh, we would love to hear if you have been to a kale festival, if you have kale recipes, um, thoughts on kale at all. Mm-hmm. All thoughts good. On, thoughts on Pizza Hut. Sure. I don't know. Oh, Lauren, don't get me started. <laughs> but apparently there's a new trend where they're doing like retro classic Pizza Huts and they're bringing Ooh. back the Pizza Huts of like the 90s. Ooh. Like, Yes, and right. I've, somebody had a picture and it had the kale all along oh, the, the little, yes, the little buffet thing. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, it's like the tastiest, greasiest cardboard you can possibly eat. Maybe it's time for a Pizza Hut episode, you know? <gasps> and then we could talk about how they gave away the free PlayStation demos. <laughs> oh, Yes. All right. I'm in. You didn't have to sell me that hard. Um, Well, in the meantime, listeners, please contact us about any of these things we've discussed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.